0: Welcome to the Christchurch Winston-Salem podcast. To learn more about Christchurch, visit us at Christchurchws.org. Subscribe to our podcast at our website, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. Please remain standing and pray with me. Spirit of God, you who speak the Father's heart, through your word. Come now in power and open the scriptures to us this morning, Lord. I pray that the teaching of your word would be transformational in our lives. Lord, this only happens by you. It's not by human intellect or human will. It only happens through you. So please use me as the preacher of your word this morning to speak a true message. And Lord, I pray that you would open all our hearts to receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, now, if you are a longtime churchgoer and you heard me call out to Marcy, it's Malachi, it's Malachi, you are probably worried that this is going to be about tithing uh, because that's where that big tithing passage is, you know? Well, no, fear not, fear not. Today's passage from Malachi was not about tithing at all, and rather, the entire, uh, the, the entire book of Malachi and the passage we just read addresses this theme, but the entire theme of the book of Malachi This last book of the Old Testament is this. It is dealing with disappointment with God. Dealing with disappointment with God. So let me give you some background on this book. It's actually probably pronounced Malachi, which means my messenger Malachi. But because nobody has ever heard that word, I'll just keep calling it Malachi. But Malachi was probably written sometime around 450, 450 BC, 450 years before the coming of Christ. That means that it is written after the Babylonian exile, when the Jewish people had begun to return to the land of Israel after being taken away into captivity. The temple that the Babylonians had destroyed had been rebuilt about 100 years prior to the giving of this prophecy. And let's just say that compared to Solomon's original version, Temple 2.0 was not that impressive. 100 years before Malachi was written, some tremendous promises uh, of God's coming blessing had been given to the people of Israel, and yet none of them had materialized. And so they were disappointed with God as a community, and they were disappointed with God as individuals. And maybe you've also experienced some disappointment with God. Often I don't think people want to to say that out loud. I know I have. Uh, Maybe you have served God faithfully and sacrificially, and the reward of this faithful service seems only to be loss. Maybe you have entered into a marriage, and had your hopes set on a Christian marriage, and you did all the right things, and you went to the premarital counseling that they made you go to, and you didn't listen to a thing. No, no, that's it. You're just checking that box. No, but you go through all that, and you say those vows, and then it just doesn't turn out like you'd hoped, and you're disappointed. Maybe you went to a, a, a fine, outstanding university, and you expected to receive uh, a good paying job and a great career after that, but what you really received was a ton of debt that cripples you. Maybe you have poured your love and devotion to Jesus Christ into your children only to have them reject the Savior, Savior who died for them, and they hold your devotion to him in contempt. Maybe you've sacrificed everything to be faithful and then just had it burn up before you, sacrificing for people you cared about only to have your love and sacrifice despised and rejected. Maybe you know that God has made you promises and yet he doesn't seem to be answering any of them. All you hear is crickets. That's a major source of disappointment for those who received this oracle of Malachi. The promises God had given them had gone unfulfilled. It had begun on such a high note though. It often does a hundred years before. It, began, it had begun on such a high note just as God had promised those who had been led away into Babylonian captivity were returning to the land 70 years later. And we hear their wonderful shouts and songs of joy in uh, Psalm 126, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, then we were like those who dreamed. Then were our mouths filled with laughter and our tongues with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and mighty is his name. But what they were hoping for after that wonderful beginning had not yet appeared. Stephen J. Cole writes, The prophets had predicted a glorious future for Israel, but they were back in the land for over 100 years after the captivity. And things were not all that glorious. Israel was still under foreign domination. She was not the center of the earth with the nations flocking to Jerusalem with their wealth. The old folks were not sitting in the streets watching their children play securely. The land was not yielding abundant produce. Just a hundred years before, Zechariah had prophesied that all of these conditions would come about and here they were and none none of his prophecies about the glory of Israel had materialized. They weren't even close. You know, moreover, brothers and sisters, the temple had been rebuilt. The temple in Jerusalem had been rebuilt. But God's glory had not returned to that temple as it had been in the days when it was first dedicated. Remember back when the temple was completed under King Solomon? It was around the year 950 BC, around 950 BC. The temple was, re- was dedicated and the uh, Ark of the Covenant was brought by the Levites into the temple and when they had placed the ark in the holy of holies this is what it says happened in 1 kings 8:10 through 11 i'm sorry i've adjusted the mic i might be a little hot this is what the passage says here in 1 kings 8:10 and 11 and when the priest came out of the holy place a cloud filled the house of the lord listen so that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. And that's what they were hoping for. And, and it was not that way. They were, they were looking for spectacular fireworks and, and they got a like a fluorescent light bulb. Ezekiel had promised, he had prophesied while they were still in captivity in Ezekiel 43 verse 4 that God's glory would return. It would come from the east and go into the eastern entrance of the temple and it would fill the house of the Lord again. But Malachi chapter 3 verse 1 indicates, it implies, that God had not returned at all in glory to His temple. They were disappointed also because they were still under foreign domination. They were still a vassal state, to the mighty Persian Empire. And all those promises about someone from David's family sitting on the throne, the house of David, God making a covenant with David forever, that there would always be someone on the throne. No, they were being ruled by, not by the descendants of King David, but by governors appointed by a foreign power. They were disappointed with God because of the persistence of injustice. Malachi 2, verse 17. You have wearied the Lord with your words, but you say, how have we wearied him? By saying, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them, or by asking, where is the God of justice? Who says that kind of thing? People who haven't experienced the justice they were looking for. When we're disappointed with God, Malachi reveals that there are certain patterns that Communities and individuals fall into the result of disappointment. The first thing they'd fallen into is cynicism. The first thing that often happens when we are disappointed with God is we become cynical people. Uh, there, is, there is an epidemic of cynicism in the church and the world today. And they certainly were experiencing it in Malachi's time as well. Malachi 3 verse 14, you have said it is vain. It is vain to worship or to serve God. It's useless to serve God. What is the profit of our keeping his charge or of walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the arrogant blessed. Evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and they escaped. Those are cynical words. Brothers and sisters, cynicism is not a Christian virtue, uh, despite what you might think. (laughs) Because when you reduce it down, you hear exactly what they were saying in that, uh, in, in here in Malachi chapter three verse fourteen, when you reduce it down, it ultimately questions the goodness of God and the sovereignty of God. What profit of uh, it is vain to serve God? What is the profit of our keeping His charge, or of walking in mourning before the Lord of Hosts? And we now call the arrogant blessed evil doers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and they escape. That is an indictment of God's character. Another res- result of the disappointment with God, and this happens, I see it in people's lives, their worship of God was merely half-hearted and formal. They were just going through the motions. Speaking of their attitude about their worship of God, Malachi chapter 1, verses 13 and 14 says this, But you say, what a weariness this is. One translation talking about this is how they feel about worship. What a burden it is. Don't say amen if you've ever felt that way. Dragging yourself and your youngins to church. What a weariness this is, and it says, and you snort at it, says the Lord of hosts. "'You bring what has been taken by violence "'or is lame or sick,' talking about their offerings. "'And this you bring as your offering? "'Shall I accept that from your hand?' says the Lord. "'Cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock "'and vows it and yet sacrifices to the Lord "'what is blemished. "'For I am a great king,' says the Lord of hosts, "'and my name will be feared among the nations.'" They were just bringing scraps and leftovers to worship. Beginning to hold God's worship in contempt. It's one of the results of being disappointed with God. And one of the other (laughs) surprising characteristics of being disappointed with God, what what results in our life is we fail to recognize our own sins. When we're thinking about how God has let us down, you know what we're not thinking about? How we might be letting God down. Malachi 2 verse 13 says, you cover the Lord's altar with your tears. Why don't you bless me, God? But then they ignored the idolatry of putting other things before God, of breaking the covenant of marriage. That's one of the things that Malachi is known for is that passage where it says, God hates divorce you have been unfaithful. You have put away the wife of your youth. You see, disappointment with God does not remain confined to our relationship with God. It begins to corrode and erode all other human relationships, even our core human relationships. And we become blind to our own sins. Malachi 3, 5 says, says, then I will draw near to you for judgment. I will Be a swift witness against, and this is what was going on in Israel at the time, against the sorceries or sorcerers, excuse me, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired worker in his wages. Oh, that's on a list of sins. Did you hear that? To oppress the hired worker in his wages—that's right up there with sorcery and adultery. Maybe we, think, we ought to think about that. The widow and the fatherless against those you thrust aside, against those who thrust aside the sojourner and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. These things were going on, and they didn't even mention it. God had to bring it to their attention because disappointment with God can blind us to our own failure to live faithfully. So what is is there a remedy for this kind of thing because we're all... I mean, if you live long enough, you're going to experience disappointment with God. Here's the remedy for disappointment with God. The first thing, and this is what we heard in the passage read this morning, is this believer, faithful believer who's feeling disappointed with God, God has not forgotten you. God has not forgotten you. God has written you in the book of his remembrance, Malachi 3, 16 and 17 then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. Those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them, and a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord. God has written your name in his book, and he will not forget you. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possession, you are his treasured possession. I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. The remedy for disappointment is to remember that God will act. He doesn't act on our timetable. He acts on his timetable. But God will indeed judge arrogance and wickedness. Malachi Chapter four, verse three. We heard it read this morning, and you—all these people who were being disappointed because of the persistence of injustice, injustice like those who oppress the worker in his wages, or those who thrust aside the alien, or those who oppress the widow and the fatherless, and those who didn't fear God's name—those that kind of injustice. God says, I am going to judge that and you will see it. In fact, Malachi 4, 3 says, and you shall tread down the wicked for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I, listen, when I act, says the Lord of hosts, God will act. But chiefly the remedy for our disappointment when we are feeling disappointment with God Is to run to Jesus. The Son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. Do you remember the story of the woman who had the issue of blood? Who, you know, Jesus has been talking to the ruler of a synagogue, you gotta come, I got a sick child, you need to heal my daughter. And he's standing there, and while this crowd is around Jesus, this woman who has uh, a disease that makes her ritually unclean. She can't go to the temple. She can't be in synagogue because she has a, 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 an issue of blood that makes her unclean according to the Torah. But she creeps up behind Jesus and it says that she she reaches out. And what does she do? She touches the hem of his garment. But you know what that garment is? That's the talit. The tallit is what every Jewish man wore and is called, you know, we'll call it a prayer shawl, you know, has the little tassels on the ends of it. And and when Jewish men pray, they'll pull that prayer shawl up over their head and they'll pray. And when that prayer shawl was over your head and over your shoulders and draped over your arms, do you know what the ends of those things are called? Wings. They're called wings. The Son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. She knew that. (laughs) She knew that that's what was promised in Malachi. She found that wing where where the healing was and she touched it. Run to Jesus, touch him. Son of righteousness will rise with healings in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. Run to Jesus, turn to Jesus, and your dis- disappointment will be met in Christ. You'll be like calves leaping from the stall. Have you ever seen that? Like a calf that's been, you know, some, sometimes when, calves will, when mamas will calve in the, in the barn and you don't let the calf and the mama out, it'll be a few days before you let the calf out. And I've seen this because YouTube. Ha, <laughs> <laughs> ha, Men must have some real deep rural roots, no. because YouTube. <laughs> and and uh, and I was I watched this. It's amazing. It was the first day this calf was let out, and it's just it is. It's leaping in just sheer exuberant glee, like playing, cavorting, frolicking. You'll frolic. I don't have a calf. I have Jaeger. <laughs> and every morning. When he wakes up, it is the best day of his life. And the first thing he does, he comes and he, he, he'll, Lisa says, Lisa gets up like, you know, before anybody should get up. She gets up like four o'clock in the morning. And uh, so she's up an hour and a half before me. But she'll come in and, and Jaeger will be there and his nose will be on the bed. He's just looking at me while I sleep. Like, when will you get up? And then I take him to the back door. He's so excited. And he, because he knows that there are unmolested squirrels that need to be tended to, and uh, and so he will, it, he get you let him out of the house, and he runs down the back steps of the deck, and he takes the whole bottom steps in one leap, and then he's just he just bounds on all four legs across the yard like that, and with joy and exuber- being released, being released, being. Released. You will leap like calves when you touch the Son of Righteousness who has healing in his wings. Here is the remedy for disappointment with God that I have applied in my own life, and it really comes down to a binary choice. Either the cynical attitude is correct and there is no God of justice. That's one of the binary choices. Or there is a true and living God who loves me and cares for me, and even in Jesus Christ has suffered and died for me. This God never gives up on me and will never fail. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ is proof that even death itself cannot keep God from fulfilling his promises to you. Is that true, or is there no God of justice? And in my disappointment with God, I, I, I decided, you know what? I believe there is a God who loves me, who cares for me, who loves my family and cares for my family, and I will choose to live like that God is real. And when I did that, you know what? Um, I ended up uh, touching the son of righteousness with healing in his wings. And you know what I really found that cured my disappointment with God is the reward of following Jesus is having Jesus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Christchurch, visit us at Christchurchws.org. Subscribe to our podcast at our website, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts.